Hello and thank you for tuning in again to All Things Guitars and Music podcast by Vapor Guitars. This week's guest, it's going to be a two-parter interview and um, it's with Mark Thompson. He was a manager for Livid, a longtime friend of mine. He's been in the music business uh, one way or another as a drummer, um, as a manager, as a writer, uh, as an interviewer of big time rock stars. He has a, uh, you could get to him, he has a company called Hard Rock Core. So you can reach him at hardrockcore.net where he's connecting the bands and the fans. And uh, Hard Rock Core is also a podcast on Anchor FM. And um, you could get to him on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Hard Rock Core. Uh, this is a special um, episode, part one and two. We interview each other. Uh, I interview him for my podcast. He interviews me for his podcast. And while doing this, at the end of uh, the recording, I found out that my system didn't record us. It looked like it was recording us, but it didn't. So what you're going to hear is you're going to hear his version of his podcast with me as a guest. Uh, he has the radio voice. I have the uh, distant, kind of annoying telephone voice. Um, it kind of cuts out here and there. But we talk stories of... Uh, how we met, how he became our manager, uh, the successes of Livid at that time uh, for being an unknown band and not getting a record deal like a lot of people around us did, but we didn't, and um, that's the way it rolled back then. So we talked about that, and so it's a long interview, so it's going to be a part one and part two, part two, sorry, uh, episodes 15 and 16 with longtime friend. Mark Thompson. Enjoy the show. Real quick before we get started with the interview with Mark Thompson, we're going to play a livid song called Selfish Fish. It was released in 2000. Uh, as soon as this song is over, interview starts with Mark Thompson. Thanks again. Get up! Get up! 
Hey, Mark Thompson. How you doing, brother? Vapes. How the hell are you, dude? Trying to stay cool in this uh, humidity. How about you? Well, we've got fires about 50 miles away up here in Sacramento, and it was like 107 degrees this past week nearly every freaking day, and it's nasty, but it's cooler today, man. Yeah, I got a pool filling up right now, like an above-ground pool that finally we got after probably four months um, since we ordered it. So it's uh, filling up in the backyard. We're trying to stay cool. It's the humidity that kills me. Is it that bad down there? You, are you in the same place you were in before? Yeah, in Huntington Beach. Um, we have the humidity. It's, uh, I think, 75% right now. Oh, damn. On top of, like, the 90-degree weather. Damn, so, yeah, dude, that's it's bad. Pretty it's pretty hot, but, you know, uh, we're still surviving. And you're up in Sacramento, right? Yeah, dude, I'm uh, in Sac. I've been here the last five years, and... Uh... You know, it's been a good music scene up here. Obviously, now it's a little bit different because you can't go see a damn show. But I'm literally like, you know, 10 miles from Ace of Spades and Holy Diver. And uh, been been good good music, good bands, lots of good shows come through town. And it's far enough from the big cities, but close enough at the same time. Yeah. Are you by the, uh, the rivers or the lakes that they have? Because I know Sacramento has a river, right? Yeah, the American River, Sacramento, that whole strip, like literally, literally if I go from where I'm at, like 10, 12 miles is, is downtown Sacramento, and just you literally go across the rivers as you go up there towards the airport. So it's super close. Not to mention, you got Tahoe, you've got Reno, you've got the mountains up there, you know, you got Donner Pass, snow during the uh, winter, which is cool, which also kind of sucks if you have to drive that route, because all of a sudden you got to put chains on, which... You and me being Southern California guys, putting on, on chains on a damn car ain't our forte, you know? No, I wouldn't know how to do it. <laughs> I'd call it AAA. It's like, dude, I don't know, man. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Well, dude, they've got, <laughs> they've got people on the side of the road that you pay them like 20 or 30 bucks, and they'll put them on for you. They're like actually licensed to do it. So guys do that during the winter. But when yeah. you get to the other side of the hill – there's no one there to take them off. So you got to get out. And one year I was driving back and I had the chains on. I got down where I could take them off and it was pouring rain. I mean, it wasn't high enough on the mountains to freeze to snow, but I got yeah. low enough and I had to get the damn chains off to keep going. But the, the side of the roads, no matter where I pulled off, were like six inches to like a foot of water. And I had to get in that hands and knees to get the damn chains off, dude. It was oh. horrible. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, anyway, so I'm glad that you're doing uh, my podcast, All Things Guitars and Music, and I'm doing yours. Happy um, to have you, dude. Happy to happy to talk, man. I mean, it, it's as I think about this, you know, it was like 97 when you and I first mm -hmm. met. Yep. Uh where um where was that? Was that three six nine? No. It was like you had actually been like emailing me and exchanging message through as we date ourselves AOL uh about yeah. Livid and you had sent me a tape and kept trying to get me to come out to shows and then I came out in the first show I remember because Anthony came with me, was that was it the tiki bar? Was that what it was called? Yeah. But yeah, I remember that, but I don't know if that was the first show, but yeah, the Tiki bar with the system, system of a down plane. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I don't know if that was the first time, but yeah, that, that was one of the first times. And then we did the show with machine head, um, at the showcase theater. See, there's a lot of the, uh, system of a down fan sites that post pictures from like that show of like Shavo and stuff. And I always think that was, it was, uh, machine head snot yeah. system. Yeah. I don't know who that fourth band was, but then livid played as well. Yeah. Man will surrender. That's who it was. That's who it, yeah. that was Halloween night. Wasn't it? Yeah. And the place was packed and you guys are videotaping system of a down. Um, man, I remember that, that whole night was, that was my, probably one of my favorite shows I've ever, you know, played. 
Well, it was, it was packed too, dude, from start to finish. It was packed with people going crazy. Yeah. I I remember when system was playing and then, you know, snot, you know, and the machine head was the headliner. Yeah. That was Halloween of uh, 97, I think. Yeah, man, that was a, a great, a great show. But I mean, you guys had done so many shows back in the day with, uh, system of a down with static before they put the X there. Uh, yeah. Machine head, snot, cold chamber, seven dust, soul fly, zebra head, all that stuff, man. Yeah. Cold chamber, uh, human waste project. Um, soul fly. We, we, yeah, we played, you know, well, after we started working together, when you became, you became our manager was in 97, the same year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you were, um, so I knew you were managing Spine Shank before and you were writing for Rock City News, right? Exactly, exactly. And then, uh, then we were like, I don't know, I, you know, obviously we asked you to be our manager and then they went from there. And then they went from a discussion to like headlining the Glass House and the Rock City, everywhere we played headlining. The, those like days were phenomenal. I remember you guys headlining Glass House over Alien Ant Farm, over Papa Roach, over Lit. Remember that show with Lit? Was was Zebrahead on that one, or is that somebody else? But I remember Lit snuck on the bill like just as they started to break, and they opened up for you guys. Yeah, they yeah it was a radio. It was the yeah one oh X one oh three nine and the Glass House. They had something to do, and then they they asked if Lit Lit could come on, and I'm like. We were like, sure, right? Because uh, it was cool because Alan, you know, we're high school buds, the drummer for Lit. And it was, you know, we finally got to do a show together. <laughs> and he passed away a few years back, didn't he? Yeah, I think in 09, I think it was brain cancer, you know? Or, yeah, I think it was brain cancer in 09. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, we grew up together pretty, pretty much, and we had, a, you know, didn't know he was going to be a big rock star, but we all had the dreams back then, you know? But it was fun, man. Those those times back then were so fun and real, and I think that was like the last time as that wave of bands around you guys doing stuff, that was like, the I think, the last of us, quote-unquote, scene, because after that, and we were... I was thinking about this earlier before you called was back then the internet was just becoming a new way to market bands. And, you know, you guys had fans from all over the freaking States coming to check your shows out, which was crazy. But now, you know, that was the early days of it. And now it's, everything is internet based to back then it was kind of struggling to, do you focus on the internet or do you focus on the local scene and it was a weird transition time, but that was like the last time I think there was an actual scene that people were handing out flyers and uh, trading shows, you know, because now it doesn't happen that much. No, I mean, um, you're right. We had our studio in Anaheim right by the pond, remember? Or the Honda Center now? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had that bitch in, uh, it was a pretty big spot for $400 a month in Anaheim. And, um, what was it? Oh yeah. We had a wall dedicated to emails from fans from all over the world, sending us emails because they're getting connected through our website. Um, because there was no Facebook or MySpace, uh, none of that. So I think we we're getting emails through the actual website, livid.net. And then, uh, I remember making copies of all the letters and stuff we were getting through the email at that time. Can you imagine if Libby was uh, during the MySpace time? Christ, dude, that would have been insane, man. He said just the email and instant messages. And I know, you know, we would try to do stuff to try to get like sizzle over to your place. So you guys could do chats together. And as soon as you signed on, you'd be like, holy crap, I'm bombarded by instant messages nonstop by kids who would just blast you nonstop. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, you, you had the street team. Um, that was part of your gig too, right? Uh, before you became a manager. Yeah, it was, working, you know, yeah. yeah, man, it was, you know, helping out Bino doing stuff early on with system and, you know, he got his office going over at Columbia because they kind of, 
you know, him and Rick Rubin and, uh, you know, Dino with American. I mean, everything that they did to get those guys together, you know, we were there and you were there as well. I mean, early on trying to, you know, do that stuff and, you know, duplicated what was happening out there to forward the band and it worked and it was freaking awesome times to just think back about the days of cassettes and then, you know, putting out livid demos and, and all those times were just a blast, dude. Yeah, I remember. I mean, you're right. I think that, you know, the scene that we were in with all the bands you mentioned was the last great L.A. scene. But then I don't know that because after our scene, I wasn't even around that L.A. thing, you know. So there might have been scenes, but we just didn't know about it because we were a part of it, maybe. Yeah, maybe, you know, but I, I know, I mean, up here in SAC, there are local bands. And I mean, I think they do a good thing playing, but it's. And it's not taking away anything from that the guys are doing today or the bands are doing today, but it's not like it was 20 years ago, you know, or, or 15 years ago or whatever, whenever it stopped becoming scenes, wherever it's L.A. or New York or Jersey or Boston mm-hmm. or wherever. The scenes um, in Sacramento, I mean, 98 Rock up here does a great job of – playing rock and, and metal music. And they I think they were the number one station last year for active rock. So they play the bands and um, it's cultivated a good market. And the aftershock uh, concert that we you know, the festival every year does extremely well. But as far as the scene goes, it's still a little bit, it, it's not as um, packed or is like brotherhood was because back when you guys were in LA and you know, livid kind of came up under kind of like that, that wave. I know and you, you were there for the early days of corn, you know, all about that way more than I do. You know, you saw the corn wave come through and uh fear factory kind of rolled yeah. and then cold chamber hit with system and static X and those bands. And then there was like the next wave, which was like you guys, mug agriculture um migraine i'm trying to think of who else was who were some of the big bands at that point in time well then you know and then Droid. we had 20 dead flower children we had uh uh, uh dude, there were so many but the ones that we played with a lot was the 20 dead flower children papa roach um static x you know we did a lot with static x yeah, and, uh, and I just reconnected with Ken a few weeks back, and and he remembers all those shows, and he even talked about the that show at three six nine of theirs that's online at YouTube that I think Anthony shot. He he, you know, remembers Livid, remembers playing shows with Livid, which is really cool to hear him, you know, have that conversation. I've kept in touch with him since, and just he talks about you know how great you guys were and how how much of awesome people you were, and that's the thing I think. Everybody knew Livid because you guys were a great band, but you were even greater people to hang out with and have fun with. And you guys got along with everybody out there. And we know other bands at the time had their own little thing of, I don't know if it's jealousies or talking crap or whatever. And, you know, we caught wind of it, but you guys always held yourself and put yourselves above the BS and just said, no, we're going to play our music and kick ass on stage. And that's where you guys left it, which was freaking awesome. And it's like, you know, and then, you know, some of the bands that did talk shit, when uh, we were asked, you know, if they could play the show with us, we would say, yeah, fuck it, you know? Because there was a scene, there was a scene going on, and, um, you know, we were trying to be brotherhood back then, even though, like, some people would talk shit, but then, you know, people drink and say stupid shit, so, I don't, you know, we didn't take it to heart. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, because here's the weird thing, not maybe not weird thing, but when it came to the glass house and unsigned bands in the metal world, new metal, hard rock, whatever people want to call it, I don't think you guys are a new metal band because you weren't rapping at that point in time. But when it came to the glass house and the second, you know, we would talk with Greg over there at Golden Voice and book a show, and you know this, everybody became our best friend all of a sudden because they all wanted on that fucking show. Yeah. Yeah, we got in um, playing the little side room at the glass house in between Human Waste Project, Cold Chamber, and Soulfly. 
um, Glass House gave us the opportunity to play that small room, right? Yeah. And that room was so, so packed in between the bands setting up on a big stage. And then I remember I got videos. Um, well, you sent me a box of videos, dude. I haven't even gone through all of them, but one of the videos was a video of that little room, little stage, and it was packed. There was like 200 people in there, dude. Dude, I would love to see those bands. But, yeah, I remember sending you that box of goodies like that. But that show, but, you know, you guys owned that thing when it came to unsigned bands and local bands because you guys would play and headline it. And I'll never forget, and, again, this isn't talking bad about anybody, but there was yeah. a show that Videodrone was doing with Ultra Spank. And I remember getting a call a couple days before from Greg at, at the Glass House and said, hey, you know, the bands want you guys to headline. And I remember thinking to myself, that's really cool. But Livid doesn't have a fucking record deal. We would love a record deal, of course, but I don't want to put the unsigned band last yeah. with the two signed bands who already have public profile because if the kids don't know, it was just odd. So I said, we'll take the middle slot, but we're not going to open, but we're not going to play last. And it had to put yeah. somebody before us and they didn't like it but and i remember one of the bands i won't say which one but i remember their management company calling me and saying hey dude you know our band signed they've been on tours they've done Ozfest and or whatever you know they've done you know can, can, can you guys open the show instead i said we were actually asked to headline so we can headline the show if you'd like or we'll take the middle slot and you guys and the other band can duke it out and figure out who wants to do what and they yeah. said, oh, okay, never mind. And they let it go. And I'm like, okay, here we are, the quote-unquote smaller band of the three, but yet we kind of had our way with it, which was, I got to say, dude, that made me feel good for what you guys were doing, man. Well, the thing is with that, um, I think I think it was another lit show where we had to, uh, they added lit, or they added livid to the show because it's not talking shit, but it. Um, there was no ticket sales going on, so they put us on the show to to move tickets. I remember. I think that was another lit show, or or something like that. But I remember that, and the reason why is because for some reason, the Glass House was our venue. Like when Livid played the Glass House, that was that was our venue. Yeah. No matter who, you know. And it was weird because out of all the venues we played, even though we headlined it, it was the Glass House where the kids are waiting at four o'clock in the afternoon for, you know, to see us or to, well, you know, the kids waited in line at the glass house for anybody. doesn't matter who was playing. <laughs> well, you know? I, I think I know the show you're talking about, and I'm not going to mention the band's names because I don't want it to come off the wrong way, but there was no. a heavy band and then it's sort of like a new metal band playing. And we did get asked, Livy got asked to get onto the bill sort of last minute. And we opened for the other two bands and the show wasn't that great of a show. Then I remember the next week we got a call. And this is kind of the thing that kicked off, I think, that next level for Livid. And I knew this next show was going to happen because at that point in time, um, Disturbed, who was just growing in their career, was on a tour. And they were going to drop off to do a couple radio shows. And they were opening up for Six Feet Under and Danzig. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting the call to do that. And uh, I remember calling you and going, "Hey, dude, we can we can uh, open up for Six Feet Under and, and Danzig at the uh, what's that place in at what, the Grove? <clears throat> that place, yeah, the Grove of Anaheim. Yes, and you know that's like sold out twenty two thousand people or whatever. And you're like, dude, we can't play before a death metal band. No way, this isn't going to happen. And I remember, you know, that night on stage, I remember because you guys opened up with Plaything. And I, you were you were like ready to swing your guitar if anybody said anything or it, you were ready to go. But as soon as you guys hit the last note of play thing, the crowd erupted in cheers. And I remember you looking at me off the side of the stage and your smile went, oh, yeah, it's on. And it was freaking an awesome show, dude. Yeah, it was on. And, you know, what's funny about that show is the week before we opened up for Machine Head at the Glass House. Remember that? Yes, yes. And then uh, there's about like five big burly dudes that was saying that we sucked and was talking shit and throwing shit at us. Remember? I do. I remember that man. Someone threw a quarter literally hit me in between the eyes, dude. 
Like they threw it hard and, and I was just grateful it was between the eyes and not an eyeball, <laughs> you know? And it was funny because I told remember uh, little Jay, one of our roadies, I go, dude, go find out who, who did that and we're going to fuck them up after the show. <laughs> and we actually went out there after the show and I, we couldn't find them. But there was a whole bunch of uh, kids saying, yeah, it was, it was a couple of big guys that were being assholes to us. And, and that was the thing about us. If we saw people being assholes to the kids, like we would say shit. Always, man. You guys had the ultimate level. And I think that's maybe why we put on the back of the t-shirts was respect because you guys had respect for the fans, respect for the bands and treated it all well and never, you know, never, never treated anybody badly. Even like you said it earlier, when people would talk crap openly, publicly or get drunk and say things, you guys never bit to it. You know, you guys were professionals and know what it is, what it is. You guys be assholes all you want. We're just going to be us and, and, put it on stage and uh you guys had a stage show back then you know you you had candles galore on stage you had incense burning you had the religious figures you had black lights on those you had smoke machines it was crazy dude strobe lights and uh i mean we we had the whole thing and we actually had people even sizzle you know our singer had had to carry the boxes of candles you know I mean, it was a big production. You can't have uh, real candles these days, you know? Well, yeah, you don't want to turn into great white out there, you know? Yeah, it's a fire hazard, and that was our thing. And uh, But, yeah, we had a little uh, a stage thing, huh? We did pretty good back then. And um, But, like, you know, like I tell my family and friends, you know, you know, boo-boo, you know, the wife, she's like, yeah, I heard this story again. I heard it <laughs> And now, now it's like my kid and his friends like, yeah, dad, you told us that story before, you know, cause it's like, you know, you know, my son's 17 now and then he, he's growing up listening to music and radio and we watch videos and stuff. So he knows about all the music, right? And what is that seven degrees of separation thing? I, I'm not sure how that works, but every song that was playing on the radio was like uh, Pandora. We were at a pool party and Pandora was playing, right? Papa Roach is playing, I have a story. Lip is playing, I have a story. System of a Down, I have a story. So, like, my kid's like, do you know every single band? I'm like, no, but there's a story about something. It's you know true, I mean? though. It's true, man. And, I mean, you guys, you know, it, it kind of goes, there's, like, certain bands who have had careers and have never gotten as big as a should be that they've always been this, uh, you know, the, the prime example I always see is King's X or phenomenal band, but they never got the respect they needed by the mass public. And you guys were that of the bands there. And I don't know why, whatever happened or why, or why not, but uh, there's nothing I would change about our course. I mean, because I mean, I think you guys did phenomenal things and, uh, the stories that y'all can tell from, um, Soulfly uh, you know, at the, uh, what was that play key club and Sizzle getting the guitar. Um, God, what else was there? I mean, BC, the stuff with head, you know, head taking you guys to Arizona, uh, for, you know, doing the whiskey with them and then go to Arizona with them. Just stuff like that was, was just very, and it's kind of an interesting year because, you know, a lot of these bands, static X, uh, system head, they're all celebrating anniversaries of like yeah. the releases of albums. And it's like, you guys were there with all that stuff. We were there during the beginning. I mean, um, it, it's funny because, you know, my wife, my wife's a retail manager. And so she manages a lot of, you know, younger people. And then one of the kids was in the back listening system of down. And then my wife's like, yeah, I hung out with them, party with them one night. No way. You, <laughs> you, know them? you know, and my wife's like, yeah, through my husband. And it was, she was talking about the night at your apartment, yours and Anthony's apartment, when it was uh, living in system of a down, just hanging out of your house, your apartment. I remember, remember that. Yeah, dude. And didn't like some spine shank show thing? up and, and Juan from Rat came out, I think, I think as well, because we did that demo with him. I think, oh yeah. I forgot about the Juan thing. Now I kind of remember he was there, but the, the most, uh, thing that I remember the most that night was just me and Darren from System smoking weed and just talking about music. 
You know, he was, cause you know, I'm, I'm a lot older than him. I'm at least 10 years older than him. I think, um, he was talking about scorpions and iron maiden and stuff that I was doing when I was 15 years old. And I'm like, dude, how old were you? You know, cause you're talking about my lifetime. So he said his parents listened to all that stuff. I remember sitting on the couch at your, uh, your apartment. And then we, we, I guess we're all buzzing. We were ordering pink dot. Remember? <laughs> Pink dot, pink dot you go, dude. You go, we can order anything and they'll bring it. And I go, like, if I call and say I want a banana, they're going to bring it. And you said, yeah. <laughs> so we ordered stuff. We, I think we all ordered stuff and I ordered a banana. <laughs> I remember that. You can order a banana, green jello, and KY jelly all at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Serge was there. I mean, um, I don't think Shavo was there. If he was, I don't remember because you know we were drinking. Man, yeah, those were those were crazy times, and I, I mean, it, it, they were all fun, man. It, there was no sadness about that. It's it just things kind of run their yeah. course over time. But it was such a freaking awesome environment to be in, and seeing those shows and playing the Roxy and whiskey and troubadour and early on coconut teaser i'll never forget the show at the roxy where livid got banned yeah but we didn't get banned for too long did we we nope. were right back to the we were back a couple months later on which was freaking awesome yeah because um yeah dude that was a. Uh, you know me me Sizzle, you know we've been in different bands since uh since livid and so we would take you know, like the band Adore, we would go up to Hollywood and take our band members there and hang out at the Rainbow and just have a ball, dude. You know, just have a ball. And then one time, I was at a table with a whole bunch of people because they used to get drunk and just sit at people's table and I, I don't know what happened. People say I go to people's table and take a slice of the pizza or I just do shit. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and sometimes I guess I black out if I'm drinking too much Jack Daniels. But it's a good blackout. I'm not fighting or anything like that. I'm just like hanging out with people that, you know, if I'm taking someone's slice of pizza, I'm like, didn't they hit me or something? I mean, I don't hit the dude taking my pizza, <laughs> you know. But, um, no, we would we would go there. And I remember one time sitting at the table with a whole bunch of people. And this guy goes, you look familiar. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm in bands and stuff like that. And he said, name band. And when I said livid, he's like, I was there at the time you guys got kicked out or, or something, something happened where something was being thrown and you guys got looted or something like he remembered it. Wow. So, dude, that's cool, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Like you said, there was good times with the livid and it's like, I tell these stories and sometimes people don't believe it. You know, um, I was working with the company, uh, with Keith Lowers from Spring dead. Remember yeah. Him? Yeah. Um, so, He's been working at this company for years, right? And so then I started working for the company. So like at lunches or like a house party or something like that, people would say, dude, tell them about the stories we had. None of these people believe me. <laughs> so like, you know, 20 Dead had their stories because they actually do it, you know? And so when he had stories to tell, some people didn't believe him. And I'm like, yeah, there's true. I was there. And so the same thing happened to us, you know. Papa Roach open for you guys? Yeah, no way. You know. And I think so. we, all, we could all remember at that point. You are listening to All Things Guitars and Music, a podcast by Vapor Guitars. Brought to you by Vapor Guitars, V-A-Y-P-E-R Guitars. Check us out at VaporGuitars.com and at all social media platforms at VaporGuitars. Thank you for listening. Back to the show. In time, Papa Roach all wore white t-shirts on stage. Yes. And then all of a sudden they switched to black after that. Yes. Yes. I mean, we were, we all wore black and then did the candles and like, you know, kind of gave a little evil presence, but not really, you know, not really evil, but we had the, what was that? we had Mary and we had Jesus statues. Yeah. Yeah. 
the candles and all that stuff like that. And we had uh, our intro tape was the Passion of Christ soundtrack. Remember? That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, Passion of Christ, I think, right? Our intro tape. I remember one time at the glass house, dude, we were getting ready to go on and I hit my guitar to make sure it was on and the whole place was like like screaming. And then I started heaving real bad, dude. I thought I was going to throw up. Were you getting nervous? Oh, I got nervous while we were walking up those little stairs to the glass house right there on the stage area. And then uh, I didn't realize there were so many people and I got nervous. Dude, those things, that that... Those shows were sold out, man. I mean, that Glass House, and I know a lot of bands have played there, and I think Unearthed did their home video there as well when they shot their live concert there. So that venue's been used a lot over the years, and bands have done videos there and their home videos and stuff like that, and that's, that place was iconic, man. Yeah, dude. And um, I played there um, with my band Anger the Giant 2015, um, which also fe- features Fizzo. We played there, dude. It's all different management. It's different. They got a bar now um, in the big room. There's like a bar. And then um, I think the front room has a bar, too. But we played there in 2015 as Anger of the Giants. It wasn't the same, you know? It, was, it wasn't the same how it was back in the day. Greg wasn't there? No, I didn't even know who was there. But they're really cool, all of the staff. The staff is really cool. You know, but yeah, those were good times. Well, that, that whole time of my life during that time was like the best times of our lives, of my life. And I remember all of us saying the same shit back then. You know, these are the best times of our life. One day in the future, we could talk about it. Look at, we are talking about it. <laughs> right, right. And that's, that's what's cool. And I know I was down in LA last year just for, just basically for like, two days really and I stopped by the whiskey and saw uh in production saw mike out front and he even he even said it's not the same anymore dude he's like you don't even know what it's like when it comes to bands now in shows yeah because they're still trying to do that pain play right i think so and in somebody slip free tickets that night for some cover band that was going on there. That's why I wound up there and I'm like, you know, whatever it, it was cool, you know, but it was, it's definitely not. I mean, when even back in the eighties, you know, the late eighties when there were hair bands and I don't hair bands, glam bands, whatever LA scene at that point in time, flyers were everywhere. But back when you guys were playing in system and all that, there were still flyers everywhere. Now ain't nothing there anymore. Yeah, see, people don't understand, like, even my kid, right? Because everything was the phone. He's like, what do you mean? You had to print paper, and then you had to go and pass them out to people and put them on cars, like actual paper? And I'm like, yeah. Can't you guys just use a phone and, you know, promote? It's like, no. The cell phones back at time was like little Nokia's, you know. Um, they didn't even text. It was just a phone, you know. Because remember back then, there was pagers. Oh God. Yeah, you're right. And I, you know, talking about handing out the flyers, I remember it was, uh, I think corn and zombie at the Honda center or the pond or whatever it's called. I remember that night we flyered the hell out of everything and passed out demo tapes and stuff of livid and then invited people back to the rehearsal place that night to come watch us play or watch you guys play. I should say. Yeah. Just to promote yourselves. Yeah, we had boxes of cassette tapes, dude. Like big boxes. We were just handing them out, and then it worked because we had an email address on there. And that's when people were sending us emails. You know? Um, yeah, that. Um, and then we went to go see Corn at the forum, and we had a whole street team with us passing out flyers. We had like 10,000 flyers, I think. And I, I think remember it was, that. It was with the show with Static X and Power Man 5000. And live it at the Roxy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, having a street team of kids and we're giving them thousands of flyers, you know, and we're doing the same thing, just handing them out to people. Like, we didn't even go to the show. We would just go out and pass out flyers, put them on the cars. We go up to Hollywood all the time and, you know, go go all the gigs. Every Monday we're in, you know, at the Troubadour. 
you know, you know? I was talking with Ken uh, from Static about that. And I said, there were nights on Monday nights where we would all just hang out. We wouldn't even go inside the damn Troubadour. We just stand outside talking all night. Maybe go in and get a drink in the front bar, but never even go watch a band playing sometimes. You're just hanging out with your friends, having a good time. Yeah, it was a thing. People would just go there, which, you know, it's tough to do now. Well, uh, obviously now, but I'm talking before COVID. Right, right. You know, people depend on, you know, people going to the shows, so it's like, but, um, so yeah, let's get through the, the Livid story and we can talk about other things. So part of the Livid story, people, is that Livid did a reunion back in 2012 was the show, but 2011 is when we started rehearsing. We didn't have a bass player, then you stepped up to the plate and said, I could play bass. You know, you say bass, guitar, and drum. You play all those, right? I do, uh, or I can fake it enough. Yeah, so, you know, people, Mark, jumped in and played the bass at the Livid Reunion at the uh, at the Sidebar show. And that was a, a, a great memory as well as part of the Livid story, you know? That was, so it was, it was packed. Not that I didn't think it wouldn't be packed because I know just you guys maintained your friendships with your fans from back then. And, um, yeah, they're all growing up now and married and have kids. <laughs> yeah. But you, you guys had those friendships and you stayed in contact with them, you know, even, even someone like big J, you know, and that guy's just freaking awesome. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've talked with Doyle a couple of times when he's been on tour up here and, you know, he talks about big J or, uh, spoke with Harley from Crow mags and he knows big J just those good people like that, you know, being around us and that reunion show, um, was crazy to think that I was on stage with you guys playing an instrument. That's not my dominant instrument to play, but just to do those songs, you know, was crazy crazy man yeah but yeah it was a, it was a great night and he came in and, and handled business you know so that was a that was a great experience with that and then um and then after that live it ring anything then uh me and Cizzo and then jim um started uh anger the giant you know um and then we did anger the giant for a while and everything and then uh so it did Anger the Giant from 2013 to uh, 2018. And then I went to a Sunflower Dead show. You know those guys, right? Not the two-hit creeper guys, right? Yeah. With Jamie. Jamie from Droid. Yeah. So Sunflower Dead. So they're playing at the Tiki Bar in Costa Mesa. And I went by myself. And then I was, gonna, I was almost getting a fight with some drunk dude who thought I spilled beer on his girlfriend. When I'm like, dude, I'm drinking Jack and Coke. Step back. He's like, you spilled the beer on my girlfriend. All drunk and in my face. Right? And I was like, dude, sit down. And I was like, I was just talking shit, dude. It was funny, but I remember telling him, I'm like, dude, sit down, dude. I watched Jackie Chang earlier today, man. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then, you know, something like that. And I look over to my left and I see some dude. And I was like, what? Is that rock? And I was like, because, you know, you know, Rob smoking, he's very livid. And I haven't seen him in I don't know how many years, 18 years or something like that. Um, it, it was a long time. So uh, I saw him and then we, I was like, dude, what up? And then we gave each other a big old hug and everything. And uh, he goes, you want me to get this dude's ass? I was like, nah, dude. You know, and I just told the dude or the, the girlfriend, get your dude out of here, man. You know, he's going to get beat right now. That he's here. And I was pointing to Rob. And, um, yeah, we Rob connected that night. I took a picture of me and him and sent it to, uh, Cizzo and Jim, you know, Jim is the drummer for Livid people. And, uh, they're like, is that Rob? You know, none of us talked to him. You know, we tried to, uh, get him to do that reunion. Um, but it didn't work out and that's why he stepped down the same And so anyways, we started talking and then I gave him Cizzo and, uh, Jim's number because he wanted to reconnect. And so he reconnected. And then um, Jim invited Rob to go see Aang of the Giant rehearsal, you know. So he shows up at rehearsal and watches us jam and everything. And, you know, everything's all cool in Brotherhood. And then uh, 
our bass player, Frank, is a guy named Doug. He took off to go home. And me, Sizzle, and Jim stayed, you know, in the parking lot hanging out with Rob. Probably for a couple hours, you know. And then I wake up at 4 in the morning. And so I'm like, well, I got to go. So I got in my car and, you know, as I was driving by, I rolled down the window. Because Rob, Rob, Sizzle, and Jim were still hanging out when I left. So I rolled down the window. I go, whatever comes out of this, I'm fucking down. And I just took off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, because I knew, you know. And then lo and behold, fucking, you know, Anger the Giant is put on hold. We were going to try to do Anger the Giant one week and live it the other week, right? To go back and forth. But I was kind of burning out on Anger the Giant music at the time. And with Rob coming back, it's like getting back together with the ex-girlfriend, you know? Type of, type of thing. So, um, anyways, then Rob just came into rehearsal uh, for the first time in 18 years. Dude, he came in. This was, uh, I think, August of 2018. He he had a truck with like, all his four cabinets and two heads. Dude. Are you <laughs> serious? All? Yeah, dude. I'm like, dude, it's not 1998 anymore, man. <laughs> you know? I go, Jim, because Jim, we rehearsed at Riff House Studios. Jim is uh, the owner um, of Riff House in Fullerton, California. And um, so, no, he brought this whole shit, dude. And then we plugged in, we all plugged in, and I don't even know what song we played first. I don't know if it was, um, it was one of the oldies. I don't know if it was Godsend or Shame on You or something like that. But we played one song. There was a couple of fuck-ups here and there. But the sound, dude, and and the tightness was fucking there after all that time. And then we're like, let's play this song, taping, you know? Let's play this song, Crest. We went through a Crest like like it was nothing, dude. You know, and Crest is pretty fast, you know, for the guys in their 50s playing like that. (laughs) You know, and then we did a, I don't know, we went through for a couple of hours just trying to play every song that we could remember live song. And then in two months we live did another type of reunion, but the first reunion with Rob after 18 years was, uh, October, 2018, you know, opening up for head PE, you know, like we did, we just jumped on right back to where we left off, you know, um, opening up for head PE at the gas lab in Long Beach. Dude, that place was hot, you know, People that didn't get to see the Liberty reunion in 2012, now they get to see, I guess, the real reunion now that Rob's back. Right, and that right. And was 2018, and then we did a show in February 2019, and Huntington Beach made $948 for the minute. And I go to my, I, I said to the wife, I go, I think that was the biggest payday I've ever had in my life. <laughs> $948, dude. You know, from a show without merch. No, no merch. I mean, we, we had t-shirts, but it was more like, fuck it here. Take it, you know, cause there was no one watching the merch. It was a small venue. There's a fight. It, it was, you know, it was at, I think Gallagher's in Huntington beach. So, so that was livid 2019. And then we wrote a couple of new songs throughout 19. And then, uh, focusing on that, we actually, we recorded some music. Um, and then COVID hit. So COVID hit. And then I guess we're just taking time off because no one is going out of the house at that time. Right. For for the first month or two or everything. But during that time, I started getting comfortable with like not being in a band because since my early twenties, I've been rehearsing like Tuesdays or Thursdays since then. Every fucking week, no matter, you know, what band I was in. So during this quarantine time, it was kind of nice to just kick back and chill. You know, spend time with the family, you know. Because it's a long day for me to, to rehearse with Livid, you know. I wake up at 4, I take the bus from Huntington to downtown L.A. No, not the bus. I drive to Fullerton train stop. And then I take a train from Fullerton to downtown L.A. And then from L.A. to Fullerton because our rehearsal studio is around the corner from the Fullerton train stop. Jam would live it and then, you know, come home at 10, 10, 30 and start all over. It's like, I was getting tired, dude. So during this COVID thing, I was kind of resting. 
and uh, got got kind of got comfortable with it. And I think everybody else did too. But we haven't jammed since the beginning of March. You know, I haven't plugged in my guitar uh, with the band or anything like that. But right now, uh, there's no action going on with Livid. But uh, it might be type of a, a band to where maybe let's rehearse. You know, four times and do a show once a year. That type of thing. You know what I mean? And ain't nothing wrong with that, dude. Because I I did a couple shows, one in December and one of September of last year up here with with Implant, and okay. um, one was for a birthday show at Holy Diver. The next one we played with some bands from back in the day. You might remember Shorty. Do you remember those guys? I think I think uh, I remember the name. Yeah, they, they were all sack bands, and then I think the other one was Long Long Drive Home or Seventh Standard, Long Way Home. But yeah, we yeah. did that show too, and that it, I think it was like the biggest night Holy Diver ever had as far as uh, capacity there. And we played first, but those were fun. And I had been doing a with Rob, the bassist from Implant, been playing in a, a 90s cover band, uh, drums um, down in like Santa Barbara, go down there. Like I guess they were having, their drummer didn't want to do it anymore and they had some gigs or he couldn't do a gig and said, hey, can you learn these songs and send me like 40, I think it was 41 songs. It's all 90s stuff, so it's all super simple. So can you learn yeah. these songs? So, you know, listen to 41 songs, drove down there, did a show and done a few with them and we were getting ready to actually we had a show March 13th booked and that's right when everything started going south with yeah. this whole COVID thing. And I was like literally two hours into my drive, I think it was. And all of a sudden I said, look, it's, this show ain't going to happen tonight. Everything's starting to, you know, close down and only limit the number of people into the show and stuff like that. And everything stopped. So not doing losing my photography outlet, not being able to play live music, not being able to experience live music and mm -hmm. obviously been working hard trying to, to brand the website with the hard rock core. And then I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do the podcast for years. Let me try to move this in a different direction. Had, you know, great support uh, around me, cheer me on to do it and did it. And, um, just kind of making it happen just like you've done with your vapor guitars how have you always wanted to make guitars or what made you get moving with that um you know i've always you know i'm getting older you know and so it's like i've always wanted wanted to have a guitar company or do something like that or build a guitars when i retired you know something for me to do when i retire because i don't want to sit and do nothing you know if I have to work part-time at Trader Joe's, I'll do that because I don't know if I can sit and just be in the house every day, you know? So um, this was my plan for when I retired. But then the older we get, you know, people around you start dying and stuff like that and not being able to do what they wanted to do with their life. So it's like I tell the young people, because I work with a lot of young people, um, focus on your school, focus on what you want to do in life, you know? Um, don't try to get in a relationship and get married and have kids and everything right now because whatever your goal is in life is going to stop unless you're a super, super woman or super man that can do it all full-time job, full-time school, full-time taking care of kids. You know what I mean? Um, there are people that do that, but I said, fuck it. You know, um, people recently died around me and I'm, you know, they go to bed and they don't wake up and they're like my age. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. So what I did is like, you know, I built the guitar. Um, my first one, Defying V, from scratch. And uh, my mentor was uh, fucking Jeff Eberhardt from Mud. Remember the guitarist from Mud? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he builds incredible guitars. Dude. He, he's built, you know, quite a few guitars and um high quality fucking bitching. So he would post it on Facebook and stuff. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. I go, I'm thinking I want to build a flying B and you know, I'll buy everything. And he just told me what to do. So he lives on Rancho Cucamonga. So I had to go to his house and I was spending, you know, a Saturday 
you know, getting the wood, measuring the wood, cutting it and everything, gluing it. So he pretty much guided me through the whole process. And then I figured I was going to like build some guitars, right? You know, build guitars for about five years until I get good enough to actually want to sell them. And so I'm like, oh, fuck it. I've, uh, I created a guitar builders resource group page on Facebook, which is almost 13,000 people. Like it just like took off like that. Um, thir- check this out. There's 13,000 followers for a, a guitar building page I create. But any of the band uh, pages or even my guitar page that I create, I'm trying to push it. Dude. You know, I'm trying to promote it. I'm trying to get the, the likes. I'll have six or 700 real likes. But then a page that I don't give a shit about, I just created it and left it out there. 13,000 followers, dude. Wow. For, yeah, for Guitar Builders page. So anyways, through that, um, I had these companies overseas hit me up if I want to uh, use them as manufacturing or if any of the uh, members of the page would be, you know, consider using them as manufacturing. And I'm like, well, I'll let you know, but uh, I'm thinking about doing it. I'm building guitars right now, or learning, and I want to have, have them manufactured. You know, what's the process? So the company I went with uh, was the fourth company. They're in China. We're based in China. Um, they were the fourth company that hit me up, but I did my research on them. And yeah, they have an actual building. They have videos. They got an address, phone number, email. I can get in touch with them. The other ones, I couldn't get in touch with. So I was like, nah, that's kind of shady. So with this company, dude, I just bought a sample guitar. They sent it, and I played with it for a couple months, months, and then I was like, okay. And it was a strap style guitar, right? So I had to manufacture a, a small run of a strap style guitar that I want, you know, humbucker, single, single, and put jack on the side of the guitar, not on the top, one volume, one tone, you know, a, a simple guitar. And so I ordered a small batch of those. And then uh, it took me a while to sell the first one. I was kind of like bummed out. I didn't know if it was going to work. It was a small batch of things. Uh, and then I told the wife, I go, if I'm sitting on these guitars two years from now and I can't sell them, I'm just going to donate them to the School of Rock or, you know, Rock Stars of Tomorrow School Program. That's, that was the plan if I couldn't sell any. And then all of a sudden I sold them, like all, like quick. And so I made enough money to get another batch. Of, you know, I ordered Kelly. And then sold those, and I'm like, damn. So the flying V that I uh, built from scratch, um, that I sent all the measurements to China, you know, spending a lot of late nights with that, centimeter measuring and taking videos and pictures and stuff like that. And so I just had the V66B guitars uh, manufactured. And in two months, I sold out, you know, sold out of six guitars. I do small batches, so... Um, then when I sell them out, I'd have money to do more, right? So these bees, they sold out in two months. And these bees came out so good, so good that they're better than the one that I built, obviously. Um, but they're, they did a great job, you know, producing them. And then I got bees, I mean, uh, uh, cases are coming in and a new order of bees. So the guitar company is keeping me busy. So is the podcast, um, you know, so it's kind of good that I'm not in a band right now. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's how I started the guitar company. And it's, uh, you know, I'm actually busier than I thought it was going to be. So 10 more years when I do retire or something like that, maybe it could be a thing that I can do as a part-time job, you know? Well, so and I told Anthony one, dude. He bought uh, the Tully style VMT. Nice. Nice. I think I saw that. Was it the white one? Did he get a white one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, the white seems to be the popular color. So, but um, let's talk about um, what you got going on with your show. You have a podcast as well as a YouTube channel um, where you interview big rock stars. And I really enjoyed the one with Jay, dude. I was just listening to you guys, you two guys talk, did remind me of just hanging out in front of the bars or in front of the clubs at night. How you were talking earlier. Just yeah. hanging out with some person. And, um, He's my age, so he, he's an old dude, too. <laughs> so it's a um, wing, you know? I didn't know we were the same age. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was, you know, it's, I don't think age matters in music. You know, 
maybe to a few mm-hmm. people, but especially now, if you look at some of the success that bands are having and, um, you know, and it's, I've touched upon it a few things here and there with, with the bands is that a lot of these bands out there and people don't necessarily realize they see the band life and think that's it. But some of these, some of these guys, they, they, well, majority of them have jobs at home, you know, that yeah. they go out on tour for a month or two or three or whatever they do. Then they come back and they go back to work because it's not, nobody's selling millions of records anymore. You know, no, those deals are gone. You know, yeah. the record labels, you're not making money from album sales. You make 75% of your income from live shows and merch. So now you can't tour now, you know, people, and I've talked with so many bands and, during the course of the conversation, it comes up to, you know, why I have to do this around work. And well, if I, I had to get a couple of weeks off to go to the studio so we can record, you know, a couple of weeks off of work or whatever. So those things are there and it's uh, it's a different world because it, the, the money's not there and so many people take it for granted. And I hope that once this current situation is resolved and we've moved past it two years that people won't take the music for granted because you know, and the thing that I do, and it's just like you as well, you love music. You love, love what you do with music. You love playing. You love being around it. Myself and, and people will say, you know, why do you do what you do? It's because I love music and I want to share it with the world because a lot of it is, is missed now or it's done so quickly through SoundCloud and people programming it. I, I like the musicians. You like the musicians. You like to be able to play and to share that stuff, whether it's the photos I will take or the conversations with the bands to put them up there. You know, I don't not doing it to have a specific goal to become famous with it not doing it to say, Oh, I need to get X amount of followers or views. I just put it out there and here we go. And if it grows, it grows. It's great. But um, just the ability to be involved with it, just not, and we've all chased a dream of we need to do X, Y, and Z to get there. But I think those days are gone. It's just, let me enjoy the conversations, put it out there. People like it. It's great. If you follow it, awesome. Always, always for it. Not going to turn it away, but yeah. it's just the, the ability, like, you know, you're making guitars cause you want to, and you're busier than you thought you would be with it. That's a good freaking problem to have, you know? Yeah. Every Saturday, dude, every Saturday morning, paper guitars is open. I work on the guitars because uh, when they come in, I, I do a lot of stuff to them if it's needed. But for example, I just got uh, some of the bases in um, the other day, and I, dude, plug it, they're ready to go, ready to go. And these are badass bases, and I'm having uh, Smokey, you know, uh, or Rob, people know him. Uh, he's going to set up a couple of the guitars for, for me, you know, get his input. And that was part one. Uh, with the discussion with Mark Thompson. Part two, coming up next week. Thank you.